Welcome to the revolution. Hello and welcome to Red Pill Revolution. My name is Austin Adams. Thank you so much for listening today. Very excited to jump into it. We have some pretty, pretty crazy stuff we're going to discuss. Everything from Elon Musk pulling out of the Twitter deal. I believe that could have potentially been his plan the entire time. So we'll discuss that. We will also discuss an Ohio bill which would uh, allow pregnant people to sue over pregnant people, pregnant women, I guess it should say, (laughs) it would allow pregnant women to sue over unintended pregnancies. Um, We're also going to discuss some, speaking of weird medical events and situations, um, a recent article that came out uh, from the Chicago Tribune discussing um, basically medical malpractice and sexual assault on patients, which is horrifying reading through this. So we will discuss that. And then last but not least, we will discuss a recent uh, uncovered skeleton, which somebody believes to have discovered a potential skeleton of what they believe to be Bigfoot. You heard that right. (laughs) So there's a video, there's evidence, they have the skull, they claim to have uh, smuggled it here over TSA and uh, pretty, pretty wild stuff. So we are going to discuss all of that and more today. But first, I need you to go ahead and hit that subscribe button real quick. Just tap it. Feels good for you. It helps me. Puts us higher in the rankings, allows more people to see us and and hear about the show. Um, So hit that five-star review. Go ahead and hit that subscribe button real quick, and it would mean the world to me. It takes two seconds of your day, and it would mean the world, like I said. So without further ado, let's jump into it. This is episode number 34 of the Red Pill Revolution podcast. Welcome to Red Pill Revolution. My name is Austin Adams. Red Pill Revolution started out with me realizing everything that I knew, everything that I believed, everything I interpret about my life is through the lens of the information I was spoon-fed as a child. Religion, politics, history, conspiracies, Hollywood, medicine, money, food, all of it. Everything we know was tactfully written to influence your decisions and your view on reality by those in power. Now, I'm on a mission. A mission to retrain and re-educate myself to find the true reality of what is behind that curtain and I'm taking your ass with me. Welcome to the revolution. All right, so episode number 34 of the Red Pill Revolution podcast, and we're gonna jump right into our first topic today, which is Elon Musk files to back out of the Twitter deal. Crazy, I I, I did not see this coming, honestly. I thought it was gonna go through. We saw all of the things that were going wild and crazy at Twitter, all of their uh, all hands on deck meetings, um, all of the footage that was leaked from Project Veritas discussing all of the, you know, people jumping the metaphorical uh, ship with Twitter, um, talking about, you know, layoffs and stuff. And now Twitter stock has essentially 
plummeted. I mean, they lost like four, uh, $4 worth of their stock, which is like billions and billions of dollars of evaluation for their company. Um, so wild. Now I have a theory about this. I mean, I think Elon Musk is smart enough to have potentially pulled this off and uh, maybe did this entire thing on purpose to basically show the public how many bots are actually on uh, your social media handles or on your social media networks that you're on. And I think it could have all been a, a, a big brain plan that he had put together. But let's read this article real quick and then we will discuss it. All right. It goes on to say that Elon Musk is terminating his $44 billion deal to buy Twitter, but the company vowed Friday to still complete the deal, setting the stage for a legal battle that could lead to more turmoil and uncertainty for the social media network. This is coming off of the Chicago Post. And it says after growing months of grow or after months of growing doubt that he intended to close the deal, Musk's lawyer sent a letter to Twitter arguing that he has a right to drop out of the agreement because Twitter hasn't given him enough information about the company's business. Musk file Musk's filing was blunt about his intentions. He is terminating their merger agreement. The letter attached in the Securities and Exchange Commission's filing Friday said. Now, it goes on to say that, but Twitter's board hit back at the billionaire, saying that it would pursue legal action to enforce the deal. Legal experts have said it would be difficult for Musk to just walk away from the agreement. The agreement also has a $1 billion breakup fee. <laughs> I like how they say that. Legal experts. Like, who's legal experts? Who are these people? Like, yeah, they passed the bar once seven years ago, and now you paid them $500 to say something that aligned with your article. <laughs> like, legal experts. Like, please define that. And maybe even tell us who they are. You know, that seems to be important. Like, who are these legal experts that you uh, are, are using to describe how what, what could actually go down here? But it is interesting to note that there is a $1 billion breakup fee. Hmm. Haven't really seen that in contracts before, but I, I would venture to bet that it, it will be pretty detrimental to Twitter's stock. I mean, it already has been immediately. Immediately, it was detrimental to Twitter stock, but it goes on to say that Twitter has plunged into chaos since Musk announced his intentions to take over the firm in April. Employees fearing layoffs and a significant change of operations under uh, under the billionaire have been looking for new jobs as Musk has regularly aired his criticisms of the business and tweets of his own. And the billionaire's move to exit the deal leaves Twitter's reputation in jeopardy with its future ownership in flux. And again, this is coming right after they had a basically a CEO change um, that Paolo, Paolo Gali, I don't know, whatever the guy's name is. Um, but the, the basically the guy who said that he vowed to have more censorship, you know, um, coming off of you know, going on to the platform, which was obviously a very concerning thing for a large portion of the country. Uh, and then immediately, immediately, almost after that CEO change, um, which makes you think even more, maybe they had a little bit more information about it than, than we thought. Uh, but um, it goes on to say that it's discombobulated their whole operation, um, said Carl Tobias, law professor at the University of Richmond. It's going to be tough for Twitter to weather this. Now, I think it's interesting. I think it's a really interesting uh, 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 thought experiment here to assume that Elon Musk could potentially be the smartest man in the world alive today. <laughs> I think it's pretty safe to, uh, to say that he's at least in the top 10 of intellect in the world. Now, he's also potentially in the top 10 in the world for trolling. <laughs> <laughs> he's he's probably on a lot of lists here, um, but he's, you know, trolling and intellect are definitely the top tens that you can say that Elon is a part of. So here's my theory. I think that Elon Musk could have done this all intentionally. I think Elon Musk would have been willing to 
take a billion dollar hit to basically expose the entire social media world and show that it's basically at least 50% of the people that you're interacting with or you think you're interacting with could potentially be bots. And now bots don't just mean like AI algorithms. Bots mean huge swarms, like big, picture big, huge call centers from like the 90s of like a bunch of people picking up the phone and dialing, you know, 500 times every two minutes. Now picture them on social media networks with 30 phones in front of them, all running different accounts, all liking, following, tweeting the same things, all, you know, going after a single individual, all of these same people uh, reporting the same account at the same time on the same tweet for the same reason. That's what the bot farming deal is. It's not, uh, you know, computer AI algorithms all of the time. Now, there is definitely a differentiation there between the bots that are out there that like you can pay for certain companies that will like follow and unfollow different accounts and, you know, send out messages on your behalf. And you can do that BS. But but I, I believe the things that he's talking about specifically, the, the concern with the bots is that they're fake accounts. They're not real people, but they're also not robots sitting on, in, on Twitter. <laughs> they're real people sitting there with 30 phones in front of them with specific political and, and uh, financial intentions. Right. Because if you know how to, you know, if, if, if you think of it this way, and I think I've talked about this before that, you know, the um, Jungian theory of the collective unconscious right? The collective unconscious is the internet. And if it's nothing else, it is social media, right? And, and, and you can see the where the collective swarm of consciousness goes on any given day. If you go to the trending page on Twitter, what, what is the, what is the major, you know, the humanity's brain thinking of and discussing at the same exact time, right? What is everybody's mind on at each individual moment, right? And you can see that swarm go from one topic to another day by day from, you know, the Johnny Depp trial to, you know, the shootings to the, the political political scandals to this, to that, to hearings, to, you know, you can see the swarm and where it goes and where consciousness as humanity goes to specifically based on social media, right? You can go to the trending page. You can see exactly what is on the collective unconscious at any given time. All right. So <clears throat> now there's one theory that he was basically buying Twitter so that he could eventually use the data of human consciousness and that collective unconscious to eventually integrate it with his uh, Neuralink technology, um, or his AI technology. That's one theory. And that's a, definitely a real theory, right? I, I think if you're going to purchase, you know, the, the, the largest amount of human thoughts ever <clears throat> and be able to utilize that data, however you want, there's definitely, you know, probably a, a conflict of interest. If somebody owns an AI company, <laughs> I think that's fair to say. Now, a different theory is that he did all of this specifically just to expose the social media companies for what they were and to show that to, to be able to extract out social media companies from having to show the numbers, right? He says, how many bots do you have? It was like maybe a week after he asked for this report on how many bots they had. And now he's all of a sudden he's pulling out. Now he says it's because you guys didn't give me enough data. Right. And that's fair. But what data is he talking about? He's talking about the data of the bots. He's wanting to know what 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 percentage of your actual numbers are physical people and what are political uh, calls, you know, um, bot farms in Russia, in China, in Delaware. 
Um, I, th I think that's a fair thing for him to want to know. So he extracted that information from them in a way that no other person on this world or planet could have done, right? He put them into a position. He backed them into a corner where he said, I'm going to buy your company. They said, no, you're not. He said, oh, yes, I am, because if you don't let me do this, it's against the best interest of your shareholders. And legally, you have to do what's in the best interest of your shareholders. And prior to him knowing he was going to close this deal, he knew the steps that he had to take. And one of those steps was figuring out the actual physical numbers of the amount of, of uh, traffic through his social media network that he was looking to purchase that were real people and what was fake. And that's where it got interesting. And within a week of him receiving that report, that's when he pulled out. Okay. Now, if he did this all in a collective, uh, you know, a, a purposeful idea to go after these social media companies and to uh, basically expose them for what they are, 50% potentially of the people that you interact with on social media could not be real people. Their intentions could be fake. Their political leanings could be fake. Their extremist, violent uh, speech could be fake. Their incitement of po political, uh, um, you know, <clears throat> uh, protests could be fake. Uh, you know, basically half the internet could be Ray Epps sitting there telling people they're going into the Capitol <laughs> on January 6th. Um, so, I don't know. I guess time will tell. We'll see if this actually goes through that, you know, you it's funny right now. If you look up Elon Musk, Twitter backs out, look it up anywhere, Google news, wherever the hell you get what you look at, go look it up, find some articles through a search engine. And the only thing you're going to see on articles is not about him pulling out and why it's just about the fact that there's legal ramifications to him doing so. Which is interesting, too, because Google doesn't want you to know the reason, right? The, 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 the curated search engines don't want you to know why he actually could be potentially pulling out of this deal. They want you to know that there is legal and financial ramifications for him doing so, which is interesting. Right. So I just I thought that was, you know, I, I tried to find an easy article initially right when this happened about, you know, why he was pulling out what the deal was with it. You know, just read something about it. And the only articles that I could find, at least in the first few pages, all had to do with the fact that there was a potential buyout cost um, that, you know, they were going to sue him that, you know, all of this craziness. But you don't actually get down to the bottom of the article where it actually, you know, eventually I found one like this one here where it talks about why. <laughs> But even this one goes on to talk about, you know, legal experts, <laughs> some guy who passed the bar when he was 23 and is now 55 and works for our news company says <laughs> that he's agrees with our statement. Oh, surprise, surprise. All right. So I guess we'll see what happens. I am hopeful that this was all intentional. <laughs> Because the 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 unbelievable amount of billionaire trolling that that could be done that has not been done. Uh, you know, I, this would live up to my expectations, you know, and that's an interesting thing. I, I think I heard, um, I heard it recently on a, a the different podcast where they were saying, uh, it, it's quite interesting to me that all of these billionaires actually play by the rules that they actually play the game, right? Why, why isn't there more Elon Musk's out there smoking weed on podcasts and, you know, giving the middle finger to all the major corporations that are out there and, and building flamethrowers. Cause it's cool. Like <laughs> you know, being the, um, the billionaire, the 13 year old you that aspired to be a billionaire uh, wanted you to be not some, you know, 
uh, lame ass old dude who just does exactly what, you know, his political alignments want him to do. I don't know. But anyways, I hope this was all intentional. I hope it was a long term troll by Elon Musk because that would literally be the greatest thing ever. And, and I wonder what the legal, if any, ramifications would be if he said this to begin with. I was going to buy you if you had legitimate numbers, but I knew you wouldn't. <laughs> so anyways, let's move on. The next portion, uh, the next topic that we're going to discuss is a Ohio bill that would allow pregnant women to sue men over unintended pregnancies. So what this is saying is that if you have a one night stand <clears throat> and you get the woman pregnant, she can sue you for the baby. Now, I would like to note that this is a frivolous bill that will never pass. And it's one of those that basically some random lawmaker you've never heard of. This one comes from uh, testifies Senator Tina Maharinth, who's a Democrat, uh, testifies in a Senate committee in October 2021. Um, at least that's, yeah. So it, I'll read this article to you and then we'll discuss it because this is crazy. It says, with Ohio's new six-week abortion ban in place, a de Democratic state lawmaker says it's time for the Ohio legislator to give consideration to her bill that holds men who cause an unintended pregnancy responsible, whether the sex that led to the pregnancy was consensual or not. Hmm. <laughs> okay. Tina Meharith said her bill would allow anyone who becomes pregnant to file a civil lawsuit against the person who impregnated them, even if it happened as a result of consensual sex. Excuse me, ma'am. Have you ever heard of child support? <laughs> it's literally what the, the whole point of that is. Yes, if you impregnate somebody, they literally have to pay you, right? Or if you get impregnated by somebody, most likely a man, because that's who impregnates people. Maybe not according to this article with pregnant people in the, the title, but you got to pay money for the rest of the life, the last 18 years, you have to pay child support for that baby. All right. Now, what we're finding as a theme with a lot of these Democratic senators and, and, and even, you know, conservative uh, Republican senators and things is, is they're doing these like clickbaity bills, bills and, and, and laws that they're trying to pass that they know will never have a chance ever of getting passed. They're sensational bills that have no merit to them. They're ridiculous, but they're statement bills. They're trying to get famous on social media over saying they're going to allow you to go to a civil court over somebody impregnating you. Like there, I wonder, I, I should be finding a list of these because there's been a lot of these bills lately in the last two to three years that normally would have, you know, taken away the legitimacy of this lawmaker. And now they're like, yeah, you know, go after the man who you consensually had sex with because the outcome of which was exactly what sex is intended for, <clears throat> which is reproduction. <laughs> I, I think maybe if you were, if you missed sex ed class in sixth grade, you could have an argument here, but unless you have no idea how you actually wound up pregnant, <laughs> like if you were in, in a, you know, um, what's that show? Uh, I forget it. It's like where she comes out of a, a uh, from a cult and she was in a hole since she was like five years old. It's a comedy. It might be new girl. Is it new girl? might be new girl. 
I don't know. Um, but anyways, she, uh, you know, it's like somebody came out from a cult uh, from underneath the earth for 35 years. And all of a sudden they're just baffled by the way that recreation happens uh, because they thought a, a golden swan dropped an egg in, uh, on your porch uh, because their cult leader told them so. And now they're pregnant and they're mad about it because they had no idea this is actually how you got pregnant. <laughs> And now they go to court to sue them. Like, that's the only... It, it's crazy. Anyways, let's read this article a little bit longer. It says, Regardless of the circumstance, I felt it was important to have that vague language uh, due to the fact that abortion is now banned here in the state of Ohio. The vague la language being it would allow anyone who becomes pregnant to file a civil lawsuit against the person who impregnated them, even if it happened as a result of consensual sex. The bill has little to no chance of receiving a committee hearing or passing the Republican-held Ohio Senate. Maharath's bill would allow the court um, would allow the court well they wrote this terribly would allow the court could order a person who it determines causes a pregnancy I like how they don't say man <laughs> it's a man <laughs> if they can impregnate somebody uh, at the point of fetal activity can be detected Maharath said that the existence of the new law makes it more important that people who become pregnant women have the option to file a civil lawsuit against the person who impregnated them, the man who impregnated them, regardless of how it happened. How do you think it happened? <laughs> um, she says she was disturbed by a recent news story in which a 10-year-old pregnant girl was denied an abortion in Ohio and was forced to drive to Indianapolis to get one. She said many women don't even know they are pregnant at that point. The urgency comes because at six weeks, not everyone knows that, especially if you are 10 years old and pregnant. At 10 years old, you don't know too much about your reproductive rights. Fair. Maybe that's a situation where, you know, maybe they wouldn't know how sex occurred <laughs> and maybe they should be able to, but still child support. What are you going to do in a civil lawsuit besides, you know, I, it just doesn't make any sense. A group of Democratic lawmakers have introduced a package of legislation that they say will help parents afford the cost of raising infants and children in the state. Oh, well, that seems like a better idea. Why don't we help people raise children instead of funding them to not have to. The bill addresses several issues, such as eliminating the sales tax families pay for diapers and creating a one-time $600 infant formula tax credit to help families afford these items. The bill has yet to have a hearing in a Senate committee, but Republican lawmakers have said they intend to pass a complete ban on abortion when they come back into session in November. So the likelihood of this passing is very, very slim. It's another one of those sensationalized bills that are only there for clickbait. Literally, we have clickbait politics now. We're moving from the fact that we have you know actual news articles to clickbait articles. We're going now from where we have legitimate politics and policies being passed to clickbait politics policies trying to be passed just for clout. This is getting ridiculous. All right. But that does lead us to our next article here. And this article has a little bit of a relation to the ridiculousness of this article, um, but in a very sick and twisted way. So um, the medical industrial complex, now this is from uh, Chicago Tribune. It says she didn't want a pelvic exam but got one anyways while under anesthesia. In many states, consent is not required. Now, my wife brought this up to me. She said, this is disgusting. This is ridiculous. It, it, it basically is a, a legal option of medical rape like that doctors apparently do all the time. Like it's, it's sickening. It's, it's disgusting. It's sickening. And it's no surprise to me with the way that, you know, we see uh, birth 
um, in hospitals being done and things being forced on women and um, th that they didn't consent to just because it's it's they're in that situation. So it says that Janine, a nurse in Arizona, checked into the hospital for stomach surgery in 2017. Before the procedure, she told her physician that she did not want many, any medical students to be directly involved. After the operation, Janine said, as the anesthesia wore off, a resident came by to inform her that she had gotten her period. The resident had noticed while conducting a pelvic exam. She then responded by saying, what pelvic exam? Distressed, she tried to piece together what had happened while she was unconscious. Why had her sexual organs been in inspected during an abdominal operation by a medical student? Later, she said her physician explained that the operating team had seen um, that that the operating team had seen she was due for a pap smear. Janine burst into tears and said, I started having panic attacks trying to figure out what had happened. She recalled in an interview, I have a history of sexual abuse and it brought up bad memories. She felt especially unnerved as a medical professional. Patients put such trust in the medical profession, especially on sensitive topics, such as going under anesthesia. So basically what happened is this lady went in for a surgery, a random abdominal surgery. She specifically said she didn't want any medical students a part of this surgery. And the surgery had specifically nothing to do with her reproductive system. And they brought these students in to do perform a pelvic exam for experience, not for any medical necessity, for experience, without the patient's consent. It says that pelvic exams necess necessitate physical inspection of the most sensitive areas of a woman's body. The exams are typically conducted while the patient is awake and consenting at a gynecologist's visit to screen for certain cancers, infections, and other reproductive health issues. But across many states and many medical institutions, physicians are not required to obtain explicit consent for the procedure. Sometimes the exams are conducted by doctors or doctors in training while women are under anesthesia for gynecology or gynecological and other operations. Often the exams are deemed medically necessary, but in some cases they are done solely for the educational benefit of medical trainees. At some hospitals, physicians discuss the procedure with patients beforehand or detail its specifics, but at others, the women are left completely unaware that their bodies were going to be violated by a medical doctor for educational purposes, without consent. That's horrifying. That's literally rape. That's, that's what that is. There's no other way to describe that. That is what these doctors are doing to these, to these women. It's, it's horrifying. So it says there's no numbers to indicate how many pelvic exams have been performed nationwide without consent, but regional surveys suggest that the practice is not uncommon. A 2005 survey at the University of Oklahoma found that a majority of medical students had performed pelvic exams on unconscious patients, and in nearly three out of four instances, they thought informed consent had not been obtained. Majority, so more than 50% of medical students had performed these type of pelvic exams, three-fourths of them, they believed there was no consent done. So more than 50% of doctors have been involved, and 75% of those that were involved in these at least at least 50%, um, 75% were done without consent, the doctor believed. That's horrifying. That's terrible. And that should be and is illegal without the white coat syndrome that they get to wear around as if they get to touch people's body without their consent. Horrifying. 
it, it, it speaks to me like it speaks to the to the actual medical industrial complex. The, the way that doctors view you, if you go into a doctor, and I've experienced this several times with my wife with our pregnancies and, and having our children, and, and you know we had two of our children at home as home births, my wife did, and she's boss. Um, she had two of our children at home, and but we went in a couple times just to make sure that things were okay. We had some concerns. There were some things going on. We went into the hospital to get some type of work done. There was like terrible migraines. And when we went in, we had, it was like days and days and days that she had been experiencing this. We had given her tons of water. She had taken a bunch of Tylenol. We went in there and basically just told him, you know, we want to get an MRI. We want to make sure that there's no real serious issues. And um, they offered us an IV of fluids and Tylenol. And, you know, we said she's very hydrated. We made sure that she drank water the entire time. She drank a ton of water and she's been taking Tylenol. So we said, we don't, you know, we're really not interested in that because we know they're going to bill us, you know, $850 for water and Tylenol. And we had already taken care of those things. We knew that wasn't the issue. But the second that we said no to those, the second that we showed that, you know, she voiced her opinion and, you know, my, when they came in and said, we're going to be doing IVs and Tylenol. IVs for fluids and Tylenol through the IV. And I said, I looked at my wife and I said, is that what you want? They didn't ask her her opinion on it. They didn't ask her if that was okay. They didn't ask her if she wanted to pay that money for the cost of water and Tylenol. They were just going to do it. They assumed the sale, right? When you learn sales, a big part of learning sales is, is, is learning how to speak to people in a way that they go along with what you say. And one way of doing that is assuming that they will go along with what you say. What I'm going to do now is just take your credit card information for this. Okay, great. You don't say, would you like me now to take your credit card information? No, you don't do that because that gives them the opportunity to leave the conversation or to say no. So what doctors are literally trained to do is to come in and go, this is what we're going to do. Got it? Not, is this what you want me to do? They just assume that you're an idiot. You have no experience, that you're dumb. You have no awareness of your body or what your body might need or what type of scans you might need. They just assume that you're dumb and they do what they want to do regardless of your opinion. And if you say no, you're automatically the enemy. And that's what we're seeing this, you know, rear its ugly head with here is they're assuming that body, they're like cattle to, to them. You're like cattle to them. And they assume that that body is theirs to use in whichever which way that they want, including touching you in places that they shouldn't be while you're unconscious without consent at all. And that's what they believe is their right. They think they have the right to do that. And they don't. Although according to this article, it's legal in several states for them to do so. Many states, obviously, because more than half of doctors have said that they've done it, and three-fourths of the time that they've done it, they said they did not believe that there was consent, which is just horrifying and terrifying all at the same time. Because if you're a woman now and you go to get a surgery done, how are you going to feel about that? How's that going to make you feel to know that your doctor literally has unlimited rights to your body while you're sitting there unconscious, even if it has to do with your private area, like, like it just, it's so baffling to me that, that our medical industrial system believes that, you know, and, and I guess they have to look at you that way. There's so many patients, maybe they definitely don't have to look at you in a way that your body and you know, your vagina is their right to, to violate. But 
They look at you as if they're the expert, you're dumb, you're there because you're cattle, they have to go buy a book that says, if there's this, then do this, right? And they wanna check as many boxes as possible. Oh, and by the way, the medical system is designed to profit in the United States. It's the same reason that we're far, far, far down the list, tens of dozens of, if not hundreds of companies or countries down the list when it comes to medical, positive medical outcomes or mortality rates compared to profitability. We're like number 112 on the list for positive outcomes for medical procedures, and we're number one on the list for profitability. And this goes back to the 1940s, right? You wanna go back to the medical industrial complex and when this all happened was a shift after World War II. And what actually happened was they pushed out all uh, oste or, um, yeah, osteopathic and homeopathic medicine for allopathic medicine. They basically shut down every school, right? They assist, it was like the, um, who was it? The, uh, it's like one of the major families, um, not the Rothschilds, but um, uh, who was it? One of the major, large, huge, multi-trillionaire families with ridiculous amounts of money basically started an organization that was meant to systematize the medical learning process. Because a lot of it, and, and, and to be fair, a lot of medical procedures and a lot of you know uh, medicine prior to the 1940s and 30s was like snake oil salesmen selling, telling you that they could cure your uh, blindness with a uh, uh, a certain herb from their garden and they mashed it up and put it into uh, oil, right? And so they could do that. There was no federal regulations for how they actually had to, um, you know, uh, there was no certifications, there was no testings, there, it was, there was like the wild, wild west. So what, you know, rightfully they came in and did is kind of systematized it and said, there, okay, there should be some, you know, gatekeeping to this. Not everybody should be able to be a doctor. You should have to go through some type of schooling to do so. But what ended up happening is they basically lobbied enough to push out all osteopathic and homeopathic medicine for allopathic medicine. And if you understand the difference between osteopathic, homeopathic, <clears throat> and allopathic medicine is allopathic medicine treats disease like a war that they have to win with outside sources to do so, right? There has to be some type of pharmaceutical medication that intervenes in your body because your body is not able to do these things on its own. So they have to put something into your body that will then assist because without it, a lot of things will go wrong. And what homeopathic and, osteop or homeopathic and osteopathic medicine tends to believe, like a DO as opposed to an MD, which is a doctor of osteopathic medicine, tends to believe is that your body can do a lot of things on its own. Your body has a lot of ways to fight illnesses um, without the need for tons of medical intervention, right? It doesn't treat it like a war that they have to win as the doctor. They treat it as, you know, some uh, a, a type of way that they can support your body in fighting it through natural means as much as possible. And if you need to do so, then you go address these things with a surgery or something, but you definitely try some other things first. Right, so very fair. Uh, you know, osteopathic medicine is, is the most common type of medicine when you go over to the UK um, and, and in many parts of the country and many parts of the world. Osteopathic medicine is the standard same thing with homeopathic medicine. And it was the standard way prior to allopathic medicine coming in and implementing these things through lobbying. So, you know, they came in, they implemented these things, they lobbied enough, they basically shut down all osteopathic and homeopathic schools of medicine and basically eliminated doctors from this certain uh, association of doctors that meant that you had merit in the medical world. And they did it through this association of, of physicians. 
And it allowed them to basically push out everything else but allopathic medicine. Then they started to come out with these pharmaceutical companies, you know, and then that eventually led to, you know, uh, Pfizer getting the major contract for penicillin shots through World War II because there was a ton of soldiers who were dying from things like gangrene and random shit because they were shoving dozens and dozens of, of men into a boat together that the, they didn't have the proper shoes to be on even or any type of medical care there with them. So they were basically just shoving uh, penicillin shots into them. And so Pfizer got the number one contract with that, you know, and this is kind of a, a, a side tangent on what we just talked about, but it eventually led to Pfizer becoming what it is today and vaccine schedules becoming what they are in the education system because eventually the war ended. And Pfizer getting the number one penicillin contract along with several other pharmacy companies then uh, basically still needed to push the pharmaceutical medications that they had been manufacturing through World War II. And that eventually led to them lobbying enough to allow for a vaccine schedule in schools, in the education system. That's what started it. There was no vaccine schedule prior to World War II. And the only reason that it became a thing was because these companies like Pfizer, this is factual and historical, <laughs> no emotion added to this. Uh, these companies like Pfizer, who got these large pharmaceutical contracts through World War II lobbying and eventually implementing these things so they could continue their manufacturing of these pharmaceutical medications and vaccines and did so through the education system by making them mandatory for your five, six, seven, 10, 15, and 18 year olds to now have at this point 78 vaccines before the age of 18 as a part of the vaccine schedule. So, that's your history lesson on osteopathic versus allopathic and homeopathic medicine was it all started following World War II. And you'll see World War II as being like a really, really consistent theme in these large scale uh, <clears throat> shifts in, in the way that of our entertainment, in the way of our pharmaceutical medications, in the way of, uh, you know, our financial systems, uh, you know, so many things came out of World War II. And I think that that same thing type of deal, these like huge, unbelievable shifts of wealth and shifts of uh, societal beliefs and constructs came out of World War II. And I think we just saw that too with the pandemic. 100%. There was so much wealth exchange. There was so many large scale things. And you see it with things like the World Economic Forum meetings where they're getting together now and saying, how do we implement these things for the future? Right. They even at the World Economic Forum meeting, they I, I watched the entirety of, of uh, the most important conversations. But they had people like Bill Gates. They had all of these world leaders there. And one of the things that they discussed there was utilizing your Google search results. When you the first thing when it happens when you get sick. Is you go to Google and type in your symptoms. Now, what they wanted to do was utilize all of the data from Google and aggregate it per county, per state, per city, per country, um, and then use that to identify outbreaks. Now, the way that they do that is by classifying all of the data that's coming in when you search anything and then putting it together, attaching it to your identity. And now through your search results, they would know exactly when Joe Schmo down the road from you gets the sniffles. And they documented who it was and how, how he did it. And now that individual, like in the case of China with vaccine passports for everything, not just COVID, would now be not allowed to travel because he Googled that he had the sniffles three or five days prior. So they're going to start to use your search results, that collective unconscious data. They're going to attach it to you as a specific individual. And then they're not going to give you certain rights as a human if you sneezed 
and you Googled it. <laughs> Just wild, wild. So that's one major shift that we're going to start to see is the way that they're utilizing your personal data to implement these types of totalitarian belief systems and governmental structures like a social credit system, like a vaccine passport and things like that. Um, so I believe we're seeing that same type of shift again. And it's only time will tell what to, to what extent we're seeing that shift in, in, in monetary, you know, uh, transitions and, and where, you know, we're seeing it right now with gas prices just skyrocketing, right? Skyrocketing because at the same time of the pandemic, they're trying to use the, the waters being muddied <clears throat> your attention being shifted to other things, the food shortages, the, the, you know, the gas prices skyrocketing, the, this, the, the, the vaccines, uh, you know, mandate mandates the, you know, um, large amounts of money that's being pushed over to different countries for proxy wars. Like we're seeing all of these major shifts coming out of the pandemic, just like we saw coming out of world war two, but time will tell to the extent in which it's happening. All right. Now, before we get to the next topic, because the next topic is the most interesting topic, which is about Bigfoot skull being found allegedly <laughs> in the Pacific Northwest. All right. Um, so we will get to that just in a moment. We're going to watch a quick video on the individual who actually found this. Now, it's interesting. You know, I, I would you know, we'll get to it in a moment. But the first thing I need you to do, if you didn't do it already, is go ahead and hit that subscribe button, hit the five-star review, leave a nice little review. If you're uh, listening to this through the podcast, go and check it out on YouTube, on Rumble. Um, if you're listening to this on TikTok, go subscribe because uh, I do this on TikTok Live every week as well. So, you know, if you're not watching it on TikTok, go subscribe to my TikTok. If you're on TikTok now watching this, go subscribe to the podcast on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, wherever the hell you get your podcast, Red Pill Revolution. Um, but next and lastly, I do not have any advertisements on this podcast. I do not work on any third parties to do so. Um, I have very little, if any, monetization that comes out of this. The only thing that I ask of you is that if you have a family, if you have people who count on you in your life, there's one thing for sure that's going to happen to you. You, at some point, are going to die. I'm sorry if I was the first person to tell you that, but you're going to die. <laughs> at some point or other, it's going to happen to you. Um, I've had, you know, being young and super healthy, I have no medical conditions. I've had some recent scares with this. You know, I've, I've had some things that came up that, that, you know, concerned me a little bit. Eventually found out there was nothing to be scared about. Um, but I'm 28. I have several children. I have a wife. I have people that count on me. And if that would have happened to me, if I would have died yesterday, it not only would it have been terrible emotionally on my family, on my children, on, on my friends, but it also would have been horrible, you know, for anybody who's in that position financially when you are the primary income earner. So if you are in that situation, you need to have life insurance because you're going to die. So head over to redpillrevolution.co right now. I got offered $2 million of life insurance for like $55 a month. It's like $57, 60 bucks almost for $2 million. So for a million dollars, just imagine how cheap that would have been too. Redpillrevolution.co.com is for losers. And you can get a free quote right there. You don't have to talk to anybody. Normally you're going to get, you go to any other company, any other website, and you try to get life insurance quotes, you're going to get a shit ton of phone calls and a bunch of people trying to bother you and pitch you on stuff. I'm not trying to do that. Just go to the website, search it for yourself. If you don't know what type of life insurance to get, I recommend getting a 15 year term policy at 15 times your annual income. 
easy, simple. If you need to discuss it further, you can email me, austin at redpillrevolution.co. But head over there right now, get yourself a life insurance quote. This is directly under me, my license. It is not through a third-party company. You will see my name on it. This is not an ad for any other company. It is I have a life insurance license, and if you need life insurance, you should sign up for me uh, through me to do so, and I would love to help you out. So that's all I got there. All right, now back to motherfucking Bigfoot being found. <laughs> so Bigfoot, now, now this is coming from Coyote Peterson. Now, one thing I would like to note is that these individuals were allegedly looking for Bigfoot, which makes this a little sketchy to me. If I stumbled across in the woods while I was going backpacking or on a Boy Scouts trip or whatever the hell people are doing, it might be a little less sketchy to me that they found it, <laughs> but apparently they were looking for this and they found a skull. He said that he, all right, I'll, I'll read it from the beginning. It says leaking pics here before they are taken down and before government officials try to seize our footage. It says, I found a large primate skull in British Columbia, filmed it, cut the footage, released it on Brave at Brave Wilderness, which is the account that you can go see the full video of what I'm about to show you guys here, uh, is at Brave Wilderness on Instagram. Um, you can also, it says this weekend, have uh, I have kept this secret for several weeks. Yes, I have the skull. I smuggled it through customs and TSA and is currently in a secure location awaiting primatologist reviews. Damn. <laughs> Absolutely unreal, he said. We thought it was a bear skull when we first found it. I can 100% guarantee that it is not. The skull was found partially buried underground in deep back forest ravine after a massive storm in the in the pack northwest where clearly a bunch of trees and earth were disturbed. I'm sure these pics will all be taken down as probably the video by government and state park officials, but the skull is safe. I don't know if it's what you all think it might be, but I cannot explain finding a primate skull in the Pacific Northwest without wondering, what do you believe? Now, when he pulls up the skull, this is a huge primate skull. So if you are a, you know, Bigfoot believer, this is like the holy grail of evidence. Like everybody looks back to like the, uh, what is it? The video of the guy, like obviously in a suit walking across the forest with some guy just so happens to be filming from a, a, a field, right? Where this Bigfoot walks across just casually and then like stops and looks. <laughs> it's like the most ridiculous thing ever. Um, but this is pretty interesting, right? Even if it's not the Bigfoot, you know, I, I think you kind of have to understand that, you know, it's just a big ass primate, right? That's all the idea of Bigfoot is. That's all the idea of like yetis are. That's all the ideas of, um, you know, whatever you want to describe this thing as. It's just a big ass primate, right? And if they find a big ass primate skull, right, whatever you want to call it, right? It could be a, a formerly um, extinct type of primate, you know, or maybe there's several left. And, and what will be interesting to see is dating on this, even if they just decided it's a big ass primate that we didn't know about this discovery. Eh, you could still say it's Bigfoot and you could still say potentially maybe there's still some around, um, but that would be interesting. So let's go ahead and watch this video. It's two and a half minutes long of this guy actually discovering the skull. You'll be able to hear it um, and you'll be able to see it if you're on YouTube and Rumble. All right. So here we go with the video. We'll watch this and then we will discuss it even further. I haven't watched this yet, so I'm interested to see it just as much as you are. All right, we'll come up there. It'll be about a minute. I found a skull or a bone or something of some sort right here in the bed of the river. You did find a 
He did find a bear skull in, um, was it, West Virginia? Oh, uh, yeah, that's right. I, it was... I, I doubt, sometimes I doubt his ability to find skulls because I'm off looking for snakes, he's looking for skulls. All right, so there's two guys walking, three guys walking through a forest. Prior to this, there was a bunch of drone footage and stuff that they were like kind of zooming over this area. So it seems like they were using the drone to kind of go over areas that were disturbed. Um, now they are kind of just walking up on the area that the drone had just saw the footage of what they believed could have been a skull. All right, so that's the context of this. Um, prior to this, they go into a little bit about why they're out there and what they're doing. So go over to that, you know, at Brave Wilderness on Instagram. You'll be able to find the full clip. All right, but let's continue it on. We got a minute and a half left. You see that, like, eye cavity sticking up? Yep. That definitely is a skull. Look, kind of looks human. No, it's probably a bear. I'm sure it's probably a bear. So what I'm going to do is slowly try to unearth it. Uh, you guys good? Yeah. There we go. There we go. Yes. Oh. oh, it is a bear. It is definitely a bear skull. Holy mackerel. Look at that. That's not a bear skull. Actually, that is not a bear skull. You're right. What? Hey, put that down. Hold on a second. Yeah, put that down. Holy cow, dude, that, that is not a bear. Um. <laughs> dude, is that a primate skull? I mean, yeah, that's not a bear, that's a primate. But that's not, that's not a human skull. That might be, that might be a movie prop. I mean, I'm almost afraid to say it is, that could be a Sasquatch skull. He says that could be a Sasquatch skull. The first guy says it could be a movie prop. And then he immediately goes to Bigfoot or Sasquatch or Yeti or whatever descriptive term you want to use to describe a huge ass primate that a lot of people have talked about for a long time, which like of all the mythical, magical creatures that could or do or possibly have existed, a Yeti seems to be the most plausible, a Sasquatch, a Bigfoot, whatever the hell you want to call it. You know, there were big ass dinosaurs several, you know, however damn long ago, hundreds of thousands of years ago, there was big ass dinosaurs that walked this earth. Why wouldn't there be at some point in the medium area of T-Rexes and humanity and civilization as we know it today, potentially be maybe a big ass primate that's been around for a while. <laughs> so let's see what else they have to say about it. Like that's what I'm thinking right now is that that is the skull of a primate in the Pacific Northwest buried under mud you know, in a log fall down the side of a river. Like we should look and see if there's other bones. I uh, highly doubt it. I, that's you, a, it's a, it's a primate skull. I mean, I, I can't really explain anything else. Well, we're going to definitely take it back with us. We should call someone. Okay, me, I mean, I'm, I'm, I kind of just feel a little bit uncomfortable right now. Stop. I'm going to keep touching it. it, dude. I've got service. The fact is, do not call anybody. Else. Whatever this is, was, Maybe shot in the head. There's a there's a hole in the skull. Maybe it was shot. Do you know what happens when people find like a T-Rex skull, an artifact? They keep it. No, now he is document right. it yeah. because mm -hmm. there could be like other stuff there because it's delicate. I think we should put some sort of log that we can mark yeah. the area over it. It's not like somebody's gonna come up here and find it. I yeah. took a pin. Okay, we're good. To say somebody shot it in the head. If somebody shot Bigfoot in the head. 
and left it there to die and didn't go tell somebody about this. So they came and picked it up. That's the, that's a shitty move for humanity. If some man was out there and shot this Sasquatch and just left the body there, that's a, that's a, that's a letdown. That's an L for, for the human race, because we should have known about this. Or this is not that, and it's just a big-ass gorilla. But from the sounds of it, these guys know what they're talking about far more than I do. Um, and they seem to be pretty impressed by this. But again, these guys were looking for Sasquatch <laughs> to begin with. So that's where my questioning comes into play. Um, but again, I think of all of the mythical, magical creatures that could have existed ever, this one seems to be the most plausible to me. Um, and we have seconds left here, so we'll watch the rest of this. Just go. I really don't want anything to do with this. Whatever that is, it's not supposed to be there. Oh, don't I left my backpack. I'll meet you guys on the trail. Uh, so flustered, I left my backpack. I'm totally taking that school. Sorry, Mario. All right, so that's it. That's all we'll watch. Now, if you go over to Brave Wilderness, at Brave Wilderness on Instagram, um, you'll see they have like 306,000 followers. This isn't like some, you know, random account that's posting this that seems to be fairly confident they found Bigfoot <laughs> or in their their words, uh, a Sasquatch. Um, but you know, it, it's a fairly big account and, and, you know, they have a decent following for this and I haven't, you know, looked a ton through their account, but it doesn't appear to be completely satirical. And these guys seem to be pretty impressed by what they just found. So time will tell. I, I will be interesting. It says that at the end of the video, <clears throat> they're basically the entirety of this video shows them like finding it, uh, how they found it, why they were out there, what they were doing, and then finding it. And then as this guy shoves it in, into his backpack, um, they, they, he goes on to say that they smuggled it. So he says, um, he's kept it for uh, a secret for several weeks. Yes, I have the skull. I smuggled it through customs and TSA, which probably wasn't a smart move to say to begin with. <laughs> uh, but I smuggled it through customs and TSA, and it's currently in a secure location awaiting primatologist review. Absolutely unreal. We thought it was a bear skull when we found it. I can 100% guarantee it's not. The skull was found partially buried underground in deep backwood forest ravine after a massive storm. All right. So this guy smuggled the skull, the Bigfoot skull. And then one of the guys says, what happens when they find dinosaur bones? It's like, oh, will they get to keep it? <laughs> it's like this guy just there's probably a hundred different random uh, rich dudes with actual Bigfoot skulls on their wall above their mantle. Um, <laughs> that, that they're like, uh, yeah, yeah, we know this. <laughs> <laughs> but I don't know. Is Bigfoot real? I think the words and the terminology that's used to describe Bigfoot. Yeah, it's probably not this like weird looking thing strolling through the forest. And, you know, um, th that's the Sasquatch that people have described. But there's probably a big ass primate out there that we don't know about. That's taller than us humans that walks in some funky looking way that could rip us apart in two seconds. Why wouldn't there be like the fact that people are more in disbelief that there is the potential of a tall ass primate more so than a humongous, uh, five or 200, however damn big a T-Rex is like massive chicken that was once around eating everything and everybody in its way. Like nobody questions a dinosaur the same way that they question Bigfoot, but Bigfoot is far more believable <laughs> than the dinosaur is to me. Now, I'm not saying dinosaurs aren't real, but I am saying that the likelihood that Bigfoot or whatever somebody describes as a tall 
ass primate could probably be very real, right? We find like, I don't know, it's like 1,200 new species of bugs a day. I don't know what the actual number is. I just made that up completely off the top of my head. But we find a shit ton of bugs every day. We find new fish every day. Now, we've probably searched the forest far more than we've searched the ocean, <clears throat> but the fact remains the same. It's like however many new species a day in the rainforest is, is found. Like so many different species every single day. But the fact that we have, you know, we just cannot comprehend the idea that there's a tall monkey somewhere that's still around that's bigger than us. <laughs> I don't know. It seems it seems crazy to me that it's even, uh, you know, this big of the conspiracy world is involved in a tall primate. Like, it seems like it should be more so a zoologist's interest rather than a conspiracy theory's interest in, in this tall primate. Um, but... We'll have to see. Go to the Brave Wilderness and follow them and follow along on this because we'll have to see if they're full of shit. This is probably the biggest news. I'm not like big into the Sasquatch world of things, <laughs> but, but I would assume as far as Sasquatch uh, evidence and, uh, you know, movement towards uh, the realization that Bigfoot is a thing has been in the last decade. This is probably among the top findings that could lead to this you know, potentially being widely accepted. All right. So on that note, all of you primates out there, I appreciate you. Thank you so much for listening today. Um, I hope you enjoyed the episode. We had some quick rapid fire responses to some articles, but the bigger news is Elon Musk could have potentially set up Twitter and one of the largest social media companies in the world and trolled them all along. And it will cost him just a small billion dollars to do so. <laughs> we also discussed the fact that there was a man um, who believes he found a large primate skull or potentially what could be termed Sasquatch. Hmm. Interesting. So time will tell. Head over to at Brave Wilderness. Give them a follow. Follow along and see if that's all true. All right. So again, thank you guys so much for listening. Go ahead and hit that subscribe button. Leave a review. Press the five stars button. If you're on TikTok, go subscribe to the podcast right now, Red Pill Revolution. And uh, we will continue our saga there. You can actually re-listen to the whole podcast if you haven't listened to the entire thing at this point or want to go back and listen. Um, and if you're on the podcast, go subscribe to TikTok so that you can actually listen to the episodes live because we have fun after the episode every single week. I sit around and do uh, kind of read through some of the comments. Last week was pretty brutal. <laughs> we'll see if this week's is better. Maybe not. Um, I had some bald dude call me out about my hair, but you know, he didn't seem to be able to grow his own. I don't know. But Anyways, I appreciate you guys so much. Head over to redpillrevolution.co and get a life insurance quote. Um, again, that's the only way that you can support me, literally the only way. You can also go to the bottom and, and donate, but the best way you can support me is just by protecting yourself, protecting your family, and protecting your assets from the fact that you're going to die and you don't want to you know, leave your entire family pissed off at you for doing so and leaving them in a terrible financial situation. I don't know. Just a guy. But go to redpillrevolution.co, get a quote there right now and sign up. Super easy. It's a 95% approval rating. Uh, it's like anything under $100,000 gets approved within like an hour. It's pretty awesome. So head over there, redpillrevolution.co and get yourself a life insurance policy because your ass is going to die and you don't want your family to despise you for the financial situation that you left them in. And that's all I got. All right. So again, thank you guys so much. I hope you have a wonderful day and welcome to the revolution.